Hey, language lovers. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Speaking Tongues. I really, really can't wait for you all to meet my trilingual guest, Jess. Jess is a crazy, 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 super talented artist and architect, and she's also the founder and editor-in-chief of Muses Magazine. This was a really fun conversation to have, and I'm lucky, I'm so lucky that she made the time to be my very first guest. This episode is a bit of a long one, and um, I don't want to take up too much time, so let's just jump right in. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so thank you, thank you for, for joining me to have a conversation about, um, about your, your language, your linguistic backgrounds. And um, I just want to ask you firstly, so I know, I know a bit of your story. And when we first met, I think that my jaw was on the floor because you're so gifted linguistically. And it's like, it's never something that I really expect from people, I guess, because I don't really expect anything from people. But um, when you told me, you know, what your, um, you know, what languages you speak, I was just like, what <laughs> ridiculous like, though how how so why don't we start here um why don't you yeah why don't you tell me um what is your first language my first language would be korean okay. actually um and then it would be because i grew up in my house and still today i still speak korean when i go home and it wasn't until i went to preschool and of course, English was introduced. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So what was that like? Do you, I mean, that was a long time ago, but do you, no, do you I think remember like? Absolutely not. I, I just, it's that wonderful clause of being a small human and everything is just like malleable. I went to school, I remember like the chicken wings. I don't really <laughs> struggle with being confused <laughs> of like a different language. Um, to be honest, I have an older brother who's also five years older, so I'm pretty sure there was some English traded between us because he's now been in school for X amount of years. Right. Do I remember that? No. But I mean, mm-hmm. I don't remember ever being aware that it's not Korean when I went to preschool. So right. that might be a me thing, maybe. <laughs> but <laughs> Did, I, I think that's that's probably pretty typical with mm-hmm. siblings, especially when you're, because I'm an older sibling, so mm-hmm. I know that a lot of the things that happened with with me, my brother kind of caught on with because mm-hmm. he had me as the template for, okay, well, this is going to happen next in my life. And right. I should be, you know, he probably wasn't aware of mm-hmm. it. But um, so did your brother speak English at home at that point, do you think? See, or... that's the thing. I'm trying to remember right now. I can't quite remember. I just, okay. So what I do remember is before going to preschool, I remember knowing my brother went somewhere and had fun and asking to go to school. <laughs> but again, mm-hmm. in what language all this was. But then I look at videos, again, like home videos, and I feel that we're speaking both. I'm trying to remember right now. I, I assume that we did. I mean, I know we did. I just can't remember specifically before when I was three. I know that when I was I home, see. like if I was tagging on the walls, because, you know, I was a great kid, um, that was in Korean, <laughs> whatever, like small words I could write. Um, I, mm-hmm. I know after pre kind of hard between that two and a half year old to a four year old. A little vague, a little vague. When, <laughs> when, you, when you were 
so when you started going to school and when you went to preschool or even kindergarten, first grade, was your school, did you go to school in English? Did you go to Korean school? So did you... actually, I, I mean, everything was in English, but the year that <clears throat> I, uh, there was, I was entered in a Korean dual language program. The vast majority okay. of the students were um, children of Korean immigrants. It's kind of the general, but we had, let's say we're a class, we were a group of 30 that started. I want to say five were not Korean, had no Korean. I don't really even know how that happened. <laughs> They're like, their parents like, let's make their second language because you, essentially the way it works is that you have Korean as a subject, but also almost until middle school, my science classes were quote unquote, in Korean and so the idea right so I did and I think that might have my parents like oh this is a good idea so I did have and one of my best friends till today she's Filipino she was in the program she has no ties to Korea she grew up also in Koreatown so Mm -hmm. I know that for me until high school I was part of this Korean dual language program it became more vague and not a real thing Mm -hmm. as it went on and the program if I'm not mistaken no longer exists but okay, I right. I wonder why is it so? Was your neighborhood growing up mostly Korean then, and maybe the demographic change now? So. I don't think so, but I think it was kind of hard to. I think when we were in elementary and middle school, it was easier to kind of tackle. I would say, but because the curriculum was so specific, and I was still part of the LAUSD, this like massive you know, school district, I, I don't know. My guess is that it was a bit hard to create a set curriculum. And then once we got okay. to high school, to start doing high school level science and et cetera in Korean, I think, I want to say it became a little bit hard to manage. Like we would have Korean right. teachers, but these are teachers that, you know, studied in the US presumably and became teachers. And I don't know if I don't know. I, it just it became a little complicated. I think to do it in okay. in Korean, and we didn't have the I books see. for it. You know. Oh. I think so. Right. I think it just became right. That's my understanding. For all I know, it might be because I mean my schools were still in Korean town adjacent. So I don't think the number of Koreans has really dropped. But I think okay. I don't know. I could be completely wrong. <laughs> hmm. So aside from aside from that, did you have any other exposure to any other languages? Because I know you grew up in Southern California, and I know there's a lot of Spanish speakers. Right. Um, did you ever have any interaction with Spanish or maybe Japanese or Armenian or Iran? <laughs> like any other any right. other? I'm trying to think of groups of of people right in southern california um so but w- were you exposed to any of that growing i was up? definitely exposed i mean growing up my friends were primarily korean or hispanic i would say like from the get-go i got older but like that was generally the demographic my brother he took spanish when he went to high school middle school etc i honestly because i was part of this korean not to blame it but i went to high school and you take like foreign language to go to university but because I was taking this Korean and I was able to, and of course I, I speak it fluently because, you know, I've been doing it and I was raised in it, et cetera. And I would, 
I remember taking a test and I was like, oh, I don't like my foreign language credits are now satisfied. And I just didn't even blink another <laughs> eye. In hindsight, I'm like, oh, it would have been maybe nice to Spanish or something else. But I was like, oh, look at that. That is done. You know, tick on the box. Uh, so, okay. so I never yeah. took other language classes. I just always did Korean. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess that makes sense, mm. especially I, I know a lot of kids here who did that mm. um, because here, um, well, there's people from all over here. But when, when I was growing up in my neighborhood, a lot of the people I grew up with were um, Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. primarily Puerto Rican. And then when I was in high school, a lot of the kids were Italian-American. Right. So a lot of the Italian-American kids just took Italian class. Mm-hmm because easy. they spoke it with their grandmother and mm-hmm. it was it was an easy a you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. um <laughs> so um at what point so i know so so you tell me you you went to school why don't you tell the story you went to school outside of the u.s and that's where you ended up learning right other language some other and <laughs> <laughs> So, so um, yeah, <laughs> I ended up, uh, I did my first set of studies in California, but then after graduating, I ended up going back to school and I ended up going back to school in Norway. So I had then signed up for a five-year program in Norway. Now, how this mm-hmm. happened also, or the idea was that the first three years, almost there was never a non-Scandinavian, maybe once every five, six years. And the idea in the school was pretty small. <laughs> it's a small school. And they're like, oh, so the rule was if there's a non-Scandinavian, which is very few and far between, we'll do the classes of English. I'm like, cool, let's do this. Um, the year that I started, okay. however, they changed it. The, the day that we started, <laughs> like, we're not going to have landscape architecture. And I went to school for architecture. And... I wasn't in landscape, so that's fine. They're like, oh, by the way, the first three years would just be in Norwegian. I'm like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> now, did you did you find that out before you applied or after you applied? So, in all full disclosure, did you like get off the plane and they're like, <laughs> you know, the school is really is a small small private school, and all my emails that I got before starting school were in Norwegian and because I'm coming from here thinking you know that you see like you for me like the University of California system which is what I knew before you get a lot of information before starting and I'm like I don't need to read this so to be honest those portions <laughs> of it I mean in all honesty I probably google translate some of this but I just was like this is just like administrative stuff so to be honest it might have been mentioned in that emails I have no idea, but I do know that when I, all, all, I mean, as far as I remember when I was interviewing, you know, and I, I did it over Skype and when I was doing my application, I remember saying and fibbing that I could a little bit, but I don't remember ever in that process. So to from best of my knowledge, that happened just shortly before me starting. And it really only mm. affected me. So I feel right. like they were like, well, everyone else. <laughs> So to be honest, it's a bit of a cloud, <laughs> but. Okay. Did you, so if if it's not too personal, how did you, I mean, did you have an interest in Norway? Like, were you, were you into Norwegian culture or were there, was there something specific that made you say, 
or did did you spin a, a, a globe and point your finger and you, you hit like Oslo? <laughs> like what <laughs> how did you I mean, how did you how did you get to that point? And that I point. think I'm asking this because I think that you know, I shouldn't judge based on like my own um my own experience, but mm-hmm. the languages that I've studied and that I speak are all within the same linguistic family right so in my mind going from Korean and English which are already two linguistic points on a map and then into nor into Norwegian into a totally different uh completely brand new thing which to me I'm assuming it's brand new to you (laughs) too um but how like how how did you how how (laughs) let me try to press this uh trajectory as much as possible so before I went so I I said I went back to schools because I did my first undergrad in California did a four-year bachelor's and in that third year I went and studied abroad in England Apparently, I love studying outside the U.S. So when I studied abroad in England, this was me thinking this would be my one year in Europe. I am going to not go home for the holidays. I would travel, etc. During that program, those uh, two Norwegian exchange students. And one of them, or that would mean there was a couple, but one I got closer to, and me and my friend were both not, who's also from California, that I met there was not going to go home for Christmas. And he was like, it's really sad to not be in a family setting. Why don't you like come to Norway? And I was like, sounds great. So we go to Norway and (laughs) we stay there for, I don't know, maybe 10 days. And I remember, so let me go back. So in high school, I wanted to be an architect and I started doing it. I was like, "Eh, I don't want to do this. I just want to be an artist. But turns out in my third year, I was like, I actually do want to become an architect and go back to school for it. But I only have one more year left of my program. I don't let's finish this up so we finish this degree considering we're already three years in so I already had this conversation Mm -hmm. with my friends and so the friend that I went to Norway with had a cousin going to the architecture school that I ended up going to and so he's like oh this school is a lot more artistically based the way it works I think you actually be into it I mean we're here we have more than a week do you want to go visit the school so I actually did go visit the school I like sat in a bit, of course, sitting in the lecture, like didn't mean much because it's all in Norwegian. But, you know, I got to get a feel of the school, the vibe, et cetera. And I was like, oh, interesting. And then so once I finished my undergrad in California and I was applying, so I was applying to schools in England and then X, Y, and Z happened. And then a year later, I ended up working for a year and then I ended up applying to Norway also. And mind you, at this point now, I have, like, have connections in Norway I have friends out there. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, at one point I had a boyfriend out there. So there's a, there's a lot of puzzle pieces <laughs> that like all tie in right. together, to be honest. And it, but then it all kind of happened naturally in a weird way, just because there were very small steps. Because I don't think I was thinking right. I was going to go out there, but I'm trying to make this story succinct, but it's a little difficult. But I mean, that no, is it's how. it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but it sounds, it sounds like kismet in a way like it like you said it it happened very organically mm-hmm. and it it seems like you you know I, I mean maybe at the time you you had different thoughts but from where I'm sitting right now <laughs> it right. seems like it was it was a 
like a fortuitous path for you um did and I say this I remember calling like my best friend during like my second year and I was like oh my goodness I moved to Norway she's like yes we all know but it sounds kind of ridiculous saying it but I remember actually being just because it felt as ridiculous as it was to like end up in Norway uh, no offense to Norway but it was kind of out of the blue nonetheless but it happened so naturally somehow in my trajectory that it wasn't really mm-hmm. I just remember being a more than a year in where it kind of really hit me like how like I got to see it from the outside I was like whoa we are in Norway (laughs) so right right so you think it took you about a year for you to just I don't want to say feel comfortable but it took you it took a year for things to kind of settle in where you were able to take a step back and say okay I'm I'm here, I'm doing this, and it wasn't this incredulous act anymore. No, and I think it's because the first year, I mean, for lack of a better word, it was a lot of distractions. Everything was so new. That there was like, I was Mm -hmm. present, but I was in shock, and it was exciting, and there was a lot happening, which, I mean, again, it, it progressively kept being so, but I think in some way, because it was so different than what I knew as my everyday, that I... I was always kind of, my eyes are just, just peeled. And I think really it was some time took, like you said, I guess it was settling. It was, you know, and that, I don't need right. to say that I felt ungrounded and I know that's not what you meant either, but it was weird. Mm. It took over a year to be like, oh, I'm in Norway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what were some of those shocks and what were some of the, the, the early, you know, from a language point of view, what were some of the things that you had to deal with in that in that initial period um, being there? I think it was language-wise, if I want to like hone in on that, <clears throat> it is still the English alphabet with three additional characters and pronounced differently. Okay. So I think that was from a language perspective, a little strange because I would see signs and see words and minus a few characters, in theory, they're legible. <laughs> and or that I, I felt <laughs> that I should be able to read. So what was funny is I remember beginning, I would just read these words, and it would make no sense because I'm not pronouncing them correctly. And I think it took me a moment to be like, oh, you can't, you, you're, you're being, you're just reading it in English. And that's not how this mm-hmm. same right. characters, <laughs> but they're not. And I, I, I felt like that even to absorb that, which sounds ridiculous but I was like oh we, we can't because I felt like oh I, I could do this because it's it's you know the alphabet um but it was mm-hmm. funny to really absorb that nope really not <laughs> so I think <laughs> I think that like distance I felt not distant and then as I got to learn more I I realized that distance mm-hmm. existed between the languages if I you know if that makes sense Right. No, mm-hmm. I understand. Mm-hmm. Do you think that if you had studied maybe Spanish, like you talked about wanting to, um, in retrospect, mm-hmm. in high school, do you think that you wouldn't have had that particular um, issue with seeing the letters in the same alphabet, but they're not making sense? I think that would have made sense. I mean, what was really funny, so again, I think my base Spanish is probably a little bit better than let's say a person who didn't grow up with a lot of friends from El Salvador, right? Like my Mm -hmm. base Spanish, there's something like in my body. And I think what was funny is when I was in Norway and I would try to communicate, 
at moments Spanish words that I didn't know would come out. But I could tell my body was like, you have to be in foreign <laughs> language mode. And it's definitely not Korean. And like random right. stuff. It wouldn't make any sense. But I think that's that was my body, my brain trying to absorb what's happening. Right. But I remember that was a very funny thing that was happening my first year there. Like just, I would not normally go around like blobbing out Spanish words per se, but it kept happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. but. I think that happens. And I, I know that it happens to me. And, um, you know, so... I studied Italian in, in, in college and I, I've studied a few languages, but I studied Italian in college and I would say that's my most confident language where mm. I feel like I express myself best, like off the cuff mm. without really having to do too many backflips to get a sentence. Right, out. right. Um, and, but I find that if I'm, you know, like I times that I've been to Paris, let's say, or even when I was in um, Argentina recently, someone asked me, would ask me a question in French or in Spanish, and I understand what I'm being asked, Mm -hmm. but my first inclination is to spit it out in Italian, because it's, like you said, it's, you know, it's not your native language, and you know, it's a second language, so Mm -hmm. your body just goes with what's there without really thinking it's just it's a real like split second thing Mm -hmm. isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah right um so how long do you think it was until you really felt like you were I don't necessarily want to say fluent Mm-hmm. Do you are you fluent in Norwegian? I would. I mean, I don't know how Norwegian. I would say I am. Um, I, I okay. would. Yes. Um, how long do you think it was until you began to feel? I'm gonna say comfortable. And when I say comfortable, I mean someone asks you a question and you don't spit out a typical right question that is easily uh, a typical answer that is easy easy to memorize like Mm. I I always have a list of like stock right uh, answers to give Mm -hmm. people for like when I'm very formally written full complete right right it's like I have this like 20 phrases in my head Mm -hmm. of like okay if someone says this just pop that out and then you're fine just keep just keep going but how long was it until you felt like Norwegian was this very comfy sweater you put on and it fit you really well and you went out and you looked fantastic like how how long do you think that took for you I know that's how I always feel like when I feel Um, comfortable it's like your your favorite pair of jeans you know right (laughs) I would say so I'm the 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 response is kind of jerk because I also learned this language in quote-unquote a a safer, if not an easier environment in the sense that I was a student. And mm-hmm. so I'm not, you know, 18, but also I'm not in a work. Um, I was still in a context of, of a learning environment. So I remember that for me, it was uh, the second semester. So the latter end of my second year is when I first presented my project in Norwegian I think it was around then like early on on my second semester and that was like a big day 
because I was like, all right, let me do it. And I remember the only word I couldn't remember in Norwegian was material, <laughs> which is funny because yeah, it's really the same word, just pronounced in Norwegian. So I remember that's the one word I couldn't. And that was a, a beautiful moment. But also I will say that that sweater feeling, if I may mm-hmm. relate, kind of came even quicker because I mean, if I, to be really honest, I think especially coming from LA, I'm from LA, and from California and going to the small city in Norway, it wasn't hard because A, everyone's excited to quote unquote meet a girl from the city, whatever that right. means, and to speak to a native English speaker. So being, a, if I may, a Asian, a Korean American person from LA speaking Norwegian, mm-hmm. like immediately <laughs> I got points right. for just saying a word the stock sentences immediately gave me points so I I will say that there was a lot of factors into me gaining the confidence faster mm-hmm. to be even more excited if I in hindsight if I think about it, there was a lot of you know facets that played into me learning the language at the rate that I did mm-hmm. and feeling excited for it right. so I want to say like all in that second year that sweater hit because once I was able to join a conversation without fully sitting there feel I mean of course I'm still translating at that point but it was whatever level of comfort it was which I can't pinpoint right now I know it was enough where I think that that description fits right I felt good I had a sweater had a good amount of angora it was fuzzy <laughs> it was warm not itchy and I was like I am feeling it so I think that's pretty fitting were there any um were there any specific methods or methodologies that you used in trying to learn um did you take any classes did you read any books or did you just absorb what you could from from being around people and being social and I asked that question also I'm sorry I asked that question also because you're already coming into this situation bilingual so you Mm -hmm. do have an understanding of what it's like to have that mental flexibility so um I guess I'm interested in what what your what worked best for you Mm -hmm. did you find that being in a class helped or did you find that just sitting in a bar helped or watching sports or I (laughs) so I think I never officially took a class mind I wasn't a student I probably still went out like language courses are expensive so I kept trying to apply for the free one at the main university but they were surprisingly very impacted could never get into Mm it and so everyone's like oh it's gonna happen and by the time you know and then two years old in and I was like well now I there's I'm not gonna take an introduction or I'm not gonna take the course anymore so I was literally like a seven-year-old for the entire first year. So I, you know, I went in and my group of um, students that I started with, we were a group of 30 and we were very close. The program is a very tight knit program. So I had, you know, this immediate branch of friends and we would all go out and I literally, I mean, I had little books that people even gifted me like a CD, CD-ROM of learning in a region, okay. but it's, it's, it's difficult because it's out of context. And a lot of times they're giving you answers to like, my passport is on the floor. I don't know, like sentences and scenarios that don't <laughs> actually maybe happen. So right, I just remember right. I would walk around, I'd be pointing at things and I'd be like, what is this in Norwegian? But immediately, I remember maybe five months in, I realized that hearing it, I couldn't correlate because the pronunciation and just memorizing sounds. So I remember early just knowing I would have like a notebook and I would, 
mm-hmm. have people write it down. And to me, that was the most efficient way. It sounds silly, but I'll go around, okay. see the things that I saw that was part of my daily life. And but having the person write the word down was so much quicker the, the way and it might be also I'm a very visual person. So to see it got absorbed into my right. brain faster, because just hearing it, I mean, I wouldn't know how to kind of put it into because it was just a sound and I didn't know how to give it a home almost. But if I got a spelling, then somehow I would know whether I'm thinking quote unquote of the word correctly or not, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So right. I was literally like a small child. We'd go out, we'd go to bars. Sad. <laughs> I'm like, what is that? You know, walk down the street. What is the word for that sign? Or what is this? And that was, I mean, that and I don't remember who, but somebody recommended and I, I, I know this wasn't a me idea. It was somebody saying, like, you should try children's books. And that makes so much sense oh, because children's books have pictures, you know? It's made right, so that even right. if you can't read it, like, yeah, I kind of get the story. I kind of know what's happening. So that was really helpful. I remember, and I borrowed mm-hmm. it from the library or, like, you know, go and all Norwegians have these summer cottages. I remember going over and they would have, like, their childhood, like, children's books you know and everyone's wow, having a cozy time really cool yeah they're like reading their novels i'm like let me read this you know book for seven-year-olds <laughs> this is what i could do but i remember that was really helpful like seeing the words written and having you know books with colorful pictures where it's mainly picture and just like five words <laughs> <laughs> were um were people patient with you when you were doing that and asking them to write things down and and recommend children's books and incredibly in hindsight all of them all of my friends there were incredibly patient which mm-hmm. think about it, i was like that was a magical time like the, the the universe things must have just fit perfectly that these are the people around me you know and that mm-hmm. i had and i remember being in class and like having friends translate for me and i'd have and i remember figuring out my friend, that was the best, because what's funny, translating, turns out, is that if you translate every <laughs> word, you'll never keep up, you know, and some people right. translate too right. loud, you, your, your, your English version of it is overpowering, so it's very fair, I remember finding my friend, I was like, you are my official translator, you do it the best, you, you just grab the bits and pieces, and your, your tone <laughs> is low enough. And I remember, I was like, wow, that was very interesting, and even him, like, what a magical thing that, you know, you would have the energy um, to do that for each of the courses so really I mean honestly it was definitely the group that I had around me I know I'm still close to so many of them and they were all so patient with me for whatever reason <laughs> um, outside of that group mm-hmm. did you find that people like your local grocer or your butcher or bus driver were, were people generally helpful with you when you needed to you know, when you were searching for that word to, to get what you wanted or? Yes. And I think Norway, and I want to say Scandinavia as a whole, it's easy for immigrants or just people visiting or traveling because by nature of the size of each country, everyone, I mean, not a given, but more or less everyone born from maybe the fifties and later sort of all spoke full fluent English as a very general broad statement but as in it wouldn't be so uncommon if my friend's grandparents could speak a little English Um, most if not all parents can fully speak English and many people their English is so good that they would think that it's not great but I would hear it and it sounds absolutely fluent and great Mm -hmm. to me so think as a English speaking 
traveler or you know temporary resident it was very easy because if I couldn't come across the word I mean the English would be more than enough so I never right. it was comforting that I I knew that if I let go of trying to stay in Norwegian when I was trying to learn I could use English and more or less if not the entire time I would have no problem okay mm-hmm. I think that's extremely lucky mm-hmm. um for sure I I think that I I think that in my situations when I've when I've traveled I'm not gonna call anything out <laughs> specifically mm-hmm. but you know there's times where <clears throat> I think you're uh you know you're trying the language and mm-hmm. people see that you're struggling but they don't necessarily as a culture uh reach out to to help you right realize recognize what you want and then I think the other situation tends to be which it doesn't seem like you had this issue when people do find out that you are an English speaker mm-hmm. they want to practice English with you so it doesn't give you the opportunity to practice the language that is spoken in the country that you're in right right it was um, really funny sorry now I'm cutting you off but no, I had no, some friends okay. who were excited to you know use English with a native speaker to practice their English you know a lot of students would travel you know study abroad or travel abroad so they can practice their English um, right and it was funny I remember those I had some friends where our agreement so we both benefited I would speak to them in Norwegian they would correct me and they would answer in English because we both wanted to use the other person's language We're like well the only way to make this work <laughs> is that I speak to you in this broken Norwegian, you know, from the get-go, mm-hmm. like, and then, you know, you would speak to me in English, mm-hmm. which did work, but that was a funny thing, because they were keen to use English, but I was like, well, I got a Norwegian, so that was kind of the <laughs> compromise, or what have you, the situation right. we landed on. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's sensible. Mm-hmm. It to, worked. To get through it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you also speak Swedish. Mm, another little layer so <laughs> uh, how how did how did that how did that happen so I will I say I mean geographically I can guess but right uh <laughs> um my class of 30 that we started um three and I became mm-hmm. very close to these three and at one point I was living with two of them and with one point mm-hmm. and then so I and what was funny is that my my one friend, my one Swedish friend from the first year, a lot of people at that time was not speaking to me in Norwegian and or Swedish because like she doesn't, there's no grounding. I didn't know anything. So like this is not going to go anywhere. But my one dear friend, um, she was like, no, we must, we must lay it on and that's the way it gets absorbed. Now the irony is that this is not a Norwegian, which at least my text or what I'm trying to study as Norwegian was my Swedish friend. So at one point, especially when I was first being comfortable with the language, I was mixing the two languages a lot without knowing okay. when I'm using a Swedish and Norwegian word. I would say now I can differentiate and I can control it, but I do definitely mm-hmm. use a mix. Um, but I think that was also, it's a combination that I had, you know, my Swedish friends very close to me, but also I did learn the two languages together in the sense that what I learned uh, verbally. So I think whenever I looked up things, it would be in Norwegian, but the languages are close enough. And so that's how that overlap happened. And, and so I don't, I, I say this to everybody, granted, I don't speak Portuguese and Spanish or Italian. 
So this analogy may all be incorrect if I say it, but the, the, familiar, the similarities between the two languages, as far as I can identify, is like a 60-40. And the rules of okay. grammar, the way it functions is close enough. There's certain words where they have the same word, but they have completely different meanings, which is very confusing, um, which still is. I'm sure there's many words out there that I'm completely mixing up using between the two cultures. But right. I think they were close enough and distant enough where it, it worked to kind of learn together. And so that somehow happened. And that really was because I had Swedish students doing the five-year program with me <laughs> that I became very Which, close to. <laughs> do you feel like your Swedish is as strong as your Norwegian? Um, I say in terms of speaking, probably. Um, I, that I don't feel any less uncomfortable. I will say, however, okay, I'm gonna see. So Norwegian, there it's a small country, but because everyone quote unquote grew up on different mountaintops, the dialects are incredibly different, incredibly okay. different, and the word is different. However, the dialects that I learned are all ways of speaking that I can pronounce. Right, there's like parts of Norway that does like the French R, I can't do that. I can roll R's, I can't do French R's. But the Norwegian I happened and where I was and where I went to school was the, the dialect quote unquote, I could pronounce. Now I will say there are sounds in Swedish I still can't make. Now when I wow. say the word without that correct sound, friends will still understand me. It's not an actual problem, but mm -hmm. technically there are actual sounds. There's certain words that I still laugh every time I say it with my friends because I just can't pronounce it. It's just not a sound that I can make. So I think if I may, from a technicality point of view, there is that aspect as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> however, that overcomplicated the situation, but. <laughs> Did your ability to speak Korean come into play at any point? I think so. I think um, what I discovered it is the grammar of Korean I think it's closer to Norwegian than English, like sentence structure. Really? Um, so, right, yes. Like the, the, the way you put the noun in front of the blah and the blah. So I think my brain absorbed to put a sentence together, I would say was easier because of the Korean. It's okay. a little hard, but I, I do say it was a bit strange because before Norwegian, because I never took Spanish, I never really learned another language because, again, I grew, I, right. Korean and English happened to me as a young kid and simultaneously, I never really learned any language. But I think having the two and many people having two inside me already and to absorb a third, mm -hmm. your brain, I guess, breaks it down differently. But I do remember thinking that I think it was easier because the sentence structure was more like Korean. So you're an architect now and yes, you studied architecture in in another country in another language and now you're back mm -hmm. in the US. Did that affect you? Did that affect you on a technical level of um, producing your work when you maybe learn certain terms or certain terminologies in your third and fourth language um, coming back to the U.S. and and working here? Did it help? Did it hinder? Did it? It was interesting. So I took a break between my third, after my third year at school. I went back and I, I worked for a year in L.A. 
before I went and finished my last two years. And it was interesting because, of course, you know, I was born and raised doing English, but I learned all my all my architecture terms in Norwegian. Granted, had I been, you know, more vigilant, I could have potentially observed well, <laughs> as, you know, independently. But, you know, at that time, I'm A, still in school. I'm, you know, again, not 18, but I'm still an intern. So it's my first time, you know, in this office, in this environment of like, oh, what I want to do. And so, you know, I still have this, like, I'm going to impress these people. And there's like a certain level <laughs> of nervousness, I guess. And there was times where I just literally couldn't remember the word or I didn't know. The, I think I did know or I didn't know the word in English. I'm like, oh, but I know what this is in Norwegian. But you can't sit mm. there and be like, hello, sir, I'm born and raised in this city. But I can right. tell you this in Norwegian, <laughs> not useful. <laughs> so there were times where it was just a weird mind trip. I was like, ooh, we need to, we need to hone this in and, you know, take, take matters in their own hand because you can't be the American who's like, oh, let me tell you what that beam is in Norwegian, but I can't tell you. I mean, it wasn't right. Like, I think it was a harder word. But, you know, certain structural members that I would be able to say in Norwegian, but I couldn't English. I remember that was a very strange moment to absorb by myself and just for others, because clearly I would be silent at a moment because like, mm, she's not going to talk about that. So, I mean, that was so weird. You... I um, I think at one point, and Mike, the office I was at, we were amazing. We were like a family. So I think after the second word, I kind of spilled it. I was like, well, I know this word in Norwegian. And they would say it in English. Like, I need that too, or I learned it, however <laughs> it worked. Um, thankfully, again, I was in an environment where I was able to, you know, let that be known. Um, I don't exactly remember the, the premise of how, but I do remember it, you know, was a moment. It didn't happen so frequently, but, you know, the few times it did, it was a strange kind of thought to absorb. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so where are you now with, with Norwegian and Swedish? and Korean for that matter are you still did I ask you this already did I not no um, I don't are I don't... you are where are you now are you do you still feel fluent do you still feel like you could get off a plane in Stockholm or Bergen tomorrow and jump right back into the language to be honest yes I don't know if that's I don't know me being not fully aware of myself but I want to say I I still I mean both in English, or not English, Korean and Swedish and Norwegian, it's all in the same context. I, I text in it with X, Y, and Z people. And I really only use it when I'm talking on the phone with X, Y, and Z people. I see. Enough. And, you know, I mean, I've read, I don't know, two, three books in Norwegian. So not a lot. But in theory, I try to, I because a lot of it was mainly done speech-wise and I can't say I, I want to say maybe every bloomin I'm like oh I can't remember the word but for the most part um through the grace of my dear friends who still talk to me <laughs> I feel that it's been maintained I mean I think if I were to lay out myself next to each other I would see a clear difference but I, I can't do that fortunately mm -hmm. so in my nice um you know filtered version as I see myself apparently I think <laughs> It's still pretty similar enough. Or if I were to think of myself landing in those cities, I, I don't feel that I would have a disconnect. But again, I mean, easier said sitting here in my, you know, in this situation. <laughs> so do you feel like those languages are able to be separated from the Scandinavian culture in themselves in that 
I guess I'm asking this question now because I'm thinking that if you were a Spanish speaker, for example, mm -hmm. and you were spent this time in Mexico City mm -hmm. and you picked up Spanish and then you were, let's say, traveling or living or working or whatever, studying in Buenos Aires or in, uh, in Madrid, um, you, you'd still have plenty of opportunity to, I mean, the culture would be different, but the language would be the same. I guess right. I'm asking, I guess I'm asking, is there a way to have the language without the culture? Is there a way to have the culture without the language? Are they entwined? Are they... I don't think so, personally. I haven't learned all the languages, obviously. But I think if I were to think of Korean or English or X, Y, I don't think you can. I mean, you can. There's certain base words every culture has. Like every, and I think it's not even language. Like every culture has a form of a dumpling, you know, some kind of glutinous thing, wrapping something. I think for the same idea as that, I don't know why that was my analogy. Right. But I think there is like a ground starting point for all languages but everything else of how it's used in which context and certain words that are in a vocabulary and then another level like in a, a standard person's vernacular is so tied to culture mm -hmm. that I, I don't think I, the the culture is what made the language and what made the surviving words still relevant and used as much as it is and I think that goes for Korean you know that goes for English you know, the easy, like, I guess, reference is like, I don't know, Eskimo, Inuit language. And I just probably sounded really weird there and not very smart. But I think what there's like, however many different terms for snow, I feel like that's like an easy um, kind of go-to. Mm -hmm. But if I were to think right. of it, um, oh my God, please cut out that whole bit. But I do think that <laughs> I'm like, what am I saying? It's not just me and Lauren. But no, I think they're very connected for sure. And... Mm -hmm um again but a portion of it so do you think that where you are as a person who is fluent in four languages how has that affected who you are how does how has that affect, affected your identity is it something I, you think about yes and i think it's it's a little layered for me in the sense that I, A, where I learned my latter two languages that have no connection to my starting history or me, however you want to phrase it, I, I learned it in my 20s. So all of my latter 20s, you know, that portion where you kind of figure out was in Norway. So the, yeah. the direct correlation, I wasn't 14, I wasn't 40, you know, I was like 27. So I feel timeline wise, it also played a different role because, you know, it's, for lack of a better saying, you know, when I started kind of figuring out who I, you know, what adult version of me is, you know, when I start throwing around that phrase. So that played into it, plus just another language and then learning it more and realizing how much the culture bleeds into the language. So I think for me personally, there was so many layers to that just because of where it happened in my life timeline and in what context. Mm. So I think I remember when I first came, you know, moved back, I, I almost tried to wait until I 
would mention that I just moved here from being in Norway for X amount of years because once I started, A, I was excited to talk about it, but also it's kind of interesting. People are like, how did you end up there? And I felt like I for an hour I can go on talking about Scandinavia, which no one was like <laughs> annoyed by, presumably. But I was like, oh my God, once I start, and I almost want, not that I'm, because I was proud of it. I'm excited for it and it was amazing, but I almost felt like that would overtake my identity, not saying that it was bad, because you can't, I couldn't separate it because that was my, where I was most recently. But it right. almost felt like I would, once it came out, the questions would come or my excitement would come. Something would happen where I'd be with people, whether it's one or four, and all of a sudden it was just me talking about Scandinavia. Let me tell you. And I was like, maybe people don't <laughs> want to do this on Thursday night. And I'm like, I don't know who started. I don't know who ended. And then I would find myself apologizing. I was like, you don't have to. I'm like, I don't know. So let's just, so I'm not sure. Again, it doesn't come from a place of me. I think it's just, I'm excited for it, but it's, it's something where I, I'm more, I, I can't separate I mean, now, honestly, you know, it's been a few years now and I could feel that it's not as prominent because, of course, when I talk about last year, I'm not talking about Norway anymore. I talk about a couple of years ago. So I can already feel a distance, which, to be honest, I'm not even quite sure how I feel about it. And I don't think I have to tie a necessary emotion to it, but I'm aware. I am aware that there is more of a distance. And and that's a bit strange because this, this quote unquote, sorry, Norway, random part of this country was so strong in my life and all the people around me all of a sudden felt this very strong connection to this country but I could already see it you know in my everyday obviously being more distant and that's a bit strange almost (laughs) right Mm -hmm. you you it's you said something to me once um and I, I thought it was very profound because I never Ooh. thought of it in this. No, seriously, I, I never thought of it in this way. But I think that when you spend time in another country, um, whether it's meditated, premeditated or, or, you know, you just happen to find yourself there, you do form a connection to it. And what you said, it, it really, <clears throat> what you said made me realize how I felt when I was living abroad briefly in my 20s you said that you felt your time in Norway speaking Norwegian was the closest you would ever be to the language Mm. and correct me if I got that wrong but when you did say that I, I thought about that for a very long time and I just wondered if you could or if you want to, if it's not too personal, um, if you could talk about that and and what that feels like to you. Um, no, for sure, I can talk it. Um, I think, hmm, I think what was interesting is that I think two years in, three years in, I was like, oh, I can speak it now; it's comfortable. But as I was able to absorb the culture more I was trying to figure out how to explain this but I felt like every word kind of it made more sense or there was this one writer um it was one Norwegian writer where um according to my friends it's not a very difficult it doesn't have difficult syntax and the parts are used diff- difficult words but it's a writer who's from Bergen who um and my friends like you you can't read it yet because you won't get it you know, and at first I didn't really know what it meant. You know, it was a really dear friend of mine who, who absolutely, you know, adored certain authors. He's like, I want you to read this, but I don't think you're ready for it yet because you can understand the language, but you don't know what that means. 
And that made sense. And I don't think I'll ever get there per, per se, but it was something with whether I remember when I saw a bit of Norwegian television, you know, my third year versus my fifth year. And even though I understood what was being said, uh, maybe in the same capacity as those certain comedies, but then I was aware that I understood the context of it a little bit more, which only makes me realize how, how much more there is for me to absorb. I think once I realized right. that how much language is tied to you understanding the grounding of that word and or what that word plays in the everyday life. And this sounds kind of extreme, right. but I remember like there was this one show and this one yogurt would constantly come out. I ate that yogurt. I knew that yogurt. I knew the <laughs> flavors of that yogurt. And having that connection to it, I remember when there were scenes of this yogurt, and this might be a me thing, but that's that weird moment was when I realized, oh, the context and understanding the normality of it and relating to it was a, right. a thing. And I think that happens because I was there, you know, like the, the way it flowed around me. Um, but I think it was a very interesting experience to really kind of, again, maybe it's because I never thought about it, but that tie to the, the present place. And um, and I think that was just the, the normal words, you know, that not just your vocab, but like your daily vernacular and what that means for language, which seems kind of obvious because that's like what you use every day. But I think I kind of really sort of grasp that in a different way. Have you now at where you are in your life, have you tried to pick up any other languages? My, in theory, in my in my dream version of myself, I want to learn Spanish. Now, have I ever that I do any gesture beyond downloading Duolingo for Spanish? Maybe six years ago, no. To be honest, um, <laughs> it's something that would be nice. And realistically, I don't think I'm going to be making any strides anytime soon or attempts. Okay. But I and I do remember thinking the 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 fact that I can speak Norwegian makes me ironically more bummed that I can't speak Spanish <laughs> however that works not just that that sounds depressing that sounds very sad but it's just I I would like to in theory and I I want to be hopeful to think that you know at some point um I will but how in that context I don't know and for me now after the experience I'm like well I gotta move to a Spanish-speaking country at this point like it's gonna be even harder and if you're not there it's not gonna happen which I'm like Maybe I won't then because we're going to move anytime <laughs> soon. So oh my gosh. I have a, a desirable sentiment, but very aware of the non-realistic aspect of it for at least the next, you know, X amount of years. Or close Do you years. feel like, I feel like in New York, you have a good shot at learning Spanish with without, I mean, I don't want to sound that callous to say oh, mm -hmm. you don't have to move to Spain because you live in New York but True. I think if I think here's the difference I think if you wanted to learn Hungarian mm -hmm. and you were living here right yeah you'd have a difficult time but I think that there are so many Spanish speakers here there's so many bilingual signs and so many uh bilingual I mean you hear Spanish everywhere very true in New York City and so I you think know yeah. No, to be honest, my first five months here, I was living with my friend who's also Salvadorian American. And so he was like, I want to learn Swedish. And we're like, this is great. While we're living together, I'll learn Spanish. You'll learn Swedish. But it just didn't happen. So you are mm -hmm. correct. I think if I would be more avid about it, 
you know, had I really, when you ask me this question, I say, I really want to learn Spanish. You are correct. You make a very good point that had this been a real ambition, I can make that happen here because again, it's not <laughs> Hungarian. Um, but right. as in me acknowledging how I function, I just don't think, I, I don't sit here and think, all right, in the next five years, we're going to do this. I think, all right, let's tackle this maybe five, five years out. Let's see right. what our plan is. Will we maybe then absorb New York and start using, not using, but, you know, with the help of people around me and the signs. But, right, I just um, don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. It's <laughs> <Do> you... <laughs> okay. Do you feel like... This is a question I should have asked you earlier, but I just remember that I, I really I'm curious mm. about this. When you're speaking any other language than English, do you adopt a different tone in your voice? It's just funny. Or but have yes. you been told you do? Okay. I've been told. I've been told okay. many times. Yes. Which um I know for for a fact anybody that's around me and if I Say, so say, I'm talking to my mom on the phone. They're like, "Wow, your your tone goes up now," which is funny because I'm a very low decibel. I don't think my voice necessarily the pitch doesn't go up, but my tone goes higher, and it's varies between Norwegian and Swedish also because Swedish is more of a bouncier. If I don't know how else to describe, um, everything ends with an A versus like a dropping note. It's a the the note goes up. Um, so just by the language, but also, yes, my tone, which is very strange. Um, but yes, I, I would say that for all the languages, my tone does vary in some shape, if not a I lot. Love that. No, I love that because I, I think that when I make my attempts in foreign languages, mm -hmm. my, my demeanor changes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In some ways, I'm a, in in some ways I'm more assertive in mm -hmm. other mm -hmm. languages than I am in when I speak English. And I don't know, is that laziness? Is it because in English, I'm just like, my brain just does it. Right. But then when I'm trying to speak to you in Italian, I'm much more uh, direct, I think. Right. And I, I mm -hmm. don't think that I'm the most direct person <laughs> when I'm speaking in English uh, all the time. So I no, I love hearing that because mm -hmm. I think a lot of times that it's just me and I'm just right. You know, I've got a yeah. couple of um, different people in my brain or something. Right, and I've thought <laughs> that I was like, it's still me. Shouldn't we be the same? And I did have right. that thought too, where I was like, oh, am I like putting on a different sweater? But it's not even just a sweater. Okay, no, sweater is the wrong analogy there. But putting on a different mask. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I agree. I don't think it is. But I don't. I mean, the nuances of why that happens probably you know so many, but. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask that question mm -hmm. throughout these episodes to different people because right. I, I'm really curious to know mm. how people feel about that. Um, what do you think is a difficult word or sound for English speakers to pick up in Norwegian, like? For example, rolling R's in Spanish or diphthongs in Italian or in Greek or um, the guttural of Arabic. Like, what are there any sounds that are that are more there, difficult? Like you mentioned, the Swedish. 
Right. Which I, I would say the sound for you. I just can't. I physically can't. <laughs> um, it's the word angry. You can go into it. The word angry, you know, to say anger, angry in Swedish, I just can't say. Like it's, it's, I physically kind of tried many times. I just, I can't. It's not something that comes out of my throat. Um, the same vein, um, there's a region of Norway that uses like that French, like back deep, like that back R that mm-hmm. I can't to me when I do it. And I would try to, you know, I spoke to say it. They're like, you're not doing it. Cause I'm just adding an R sound to it. Like it's not, you're not a pirate. Like that's what happens. <laughs> I can't do it. I would just make everything pirate terms. Like, nope, that's, that's not it. Um, Cause there are, again, I thankfully, you know, the, the Norwegian like dialect I learned didn't have these sounds. That's funny. Um, but I think it's just, uh, what's funny is because of the way the word works, like, I was never Jessica, I was Jessica, and I wouldn't even be angry. Like, the, the letter J is a, a, you know, Y sound. But in the context of speaking Norwegian, like, to say Jessica is very harsh, because it's not how you pronounce the sounds. I think even within that context, it's it's just funny, like, the nuances of a word um, and how, it, you know, I, at one point, I would, of course, not say I'm Jessica, but it, it could happen. You know, if it's right. a long night and it's understandable. <laughs> I'm like, that's what about me. what about in Korean? Sound wise, Korean is this magical language, if I may, <laughs> in the sense that I think you can make every sound. I mean, okay, there was this whole like study where there was one little region, this one little island where they didn't have a written language and they use Korean because with Korean you can make X, Y, and Z sounds. Now Again, okay, now I'm going too much into this, but there's a bunch of, there's certain sounds that are lacking in Korean, um, certain R sounds. So there are things you can't, but I would say as a whole to make the sounds, like the phonetics and the, the sounds of Korean is not difficult. But again, you know what? I take a step back. It's Maybe it's because I'm like so in it mm. <laughs> that I can't see outside. Um, right. But I would say there's no... I don't think, I don't know, but then Korean has these like, you know, diphthongs, but there's a lot of these like O sounds that, that find it very difficult. Again, no, I think there are, but to be honest, Lauren, I'm so probably in that hole that I can't really step out. Did you listen to a lot of AHA when you were living in Norway? Only the song that I listened to in the US. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> I think it was the same one song that was big. I don't know. Maybe maybe there were songs I didn't realize that it was aha. Uh-huh. But as far as I know, it was um, just a take on me or what have you. Just or by the way, I am like take on me. I am like the biggest aha uh-huh fan. Like <gasps> I, I love this. them. I have all did true. I tell you this? I have all of their albums and oh, I God. think they're so underrated. Like How many I do they have? at least a dozen wow are you sad that i responded saying i did it my goodness i had no idea watch all my friends really wanted you to tell me that uh all the time i know they're like you listen to every friend i'm like oh that was uh aha watch as far as i know my uh aha um intake was not higher (laughs) jess thank you so much for talking with me about your your journey your journeys through cool. through different languages. I really appreciate it. I know that you have, you're an artist, so you have um, a bunch of things that you're working on. Anything you want to talk about that we should 
we Ooh, should promote right a little here. private plug. Oh, I like where this of went. Of course, plug away. Oh, my. I know everything. Where can we find you? Where can we see your work? How Ooh, can we get in touch? That's very interesting. So I do on the side on a two-part scheme. I draw naked ladies with pens primarily. So that you can find. And it all ties into a magazine that I do, a self-published magazine that I am presumably going to start issue number three. But all this information can somewhat in some fashion be found on muses.info. That is spelled uh, M-M-U-S-E-S dot info. That's uh, muses with two M's. Uh, If you go there, it should have info to maybe the little Instagram that I have for it. And some of the prints that I sell, a little info about the magazine. Um, so yeah, that would be great if you know. And got some when can stuff. we when can we look forward to the next issue? That's a very good question you asked, Lauren. A very good question. <laughs> you know, I have I I think so the last issue I had a, a fall release and I think I'm thinking maybe early spring, or if not like after the new year, I'm I'm thinking around February. Ooh, I now said it out loud, so I feel like I have to commit. But in my head, um, <laughs> something of that nature, as roundabout as a, of an answer it is. But soon, soonish in the grand scheme of life, soon, right? That's great. It'll, it'll. When the time is right, it'll be yes. ready, and we'll all, we'll all enjoy it. We'll all check it out. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thank you. I will be talking to you soon. Amazing. Thank <laughs> you. This was fun. <laughs> Lots of fun. <laughs> Talk to you later. Talk to you. Bye.